Gadbury v. Gadbury, 2023, ARC App 398. The Arkansas Court of Appeals, in partially affirming and partially dismissing without prejudice, addressed many arguments raised on appeal, including prohibiting testimony because of discovery violations, denying a continuance despite illness with COVID-19, restricting appellant's testimony to one hour, and imputing income. Appellant, who has a Doctor of Medicine degree and had practiced medicine, alleged he was disabled because of a motor vehicle collision. The trial court ruled against him on all points and imputed minimum wage for child support determinations, from which came this appeal. Judge Brown explained, quote, Appellant Brian Gadbury appeals the divorce decree entered by the Pulaski County Circuit Court and the subsequent order denying his motion for a new trial. He argues that we should reverse and remand the divorce decree because the circuit court erred by 1. denying appellant's motion for a continuance, 2. prejudicing the case when it entered its opinion before appellant presented his case in chief, 3. striking appellant's ability to present witnesses or evidence, 4. ordering retroactive child support without a previous order to pay child support, 5. imputing income in view of appellant's inability to work, 6. Denying joint custody, 7. Requiring supervised visitation, and 8. Awarding attorney's fees without allowing appellant to examine and question the time records. Appellant also contends that we should reverse and remand the court's denial of his motion for a new trial. We affirm in part and dismiss without prejudice in part. End of quote. Record Evidence the record included allegations that appellant placed the children in time out for hours and engaged in hours of screaming and ranting. Appley testified that once appellant made her lick the dirt off the tires because she drove down a dirt road to see her parents because the appellant had recently washed the car. There was testimony that appellant sent hundreds of texts to her and that at times she worked four jobs, and he had not worked since 2010 because of allegations of injuries. A representative of a counseling center testified and introduced its records. On the appellant's side, he was the only witness who testified and flatly denied the allegations. Discovery Problems Quote, Appley filed a motion to compel discovery responses on May 17, contending that appellant had failed to completely or fully respond to the interrogatories and requests for productions sent to him on October 2, 2018. Appley stated that appellant provided responses on November 13, but they were woefully insufficient in that he completely failed to respond to 25 interrogatories and 17 requests for production. She also contended that appellant failed to adequately respond to seven interrogatories and one request for production. Included in the motion was a March 29, 2019 email to appellant sent under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 37 as a good faith effort to resolve any potential dispute of the matter. Appellant filed a response to the motion on May 29, asking that the motion be dismissed. The circuit court entered an order on Appley's motion on November 19, directing appellant to fully and completely respond to Appley's discovery request within 21 days. Appellant's counsel filed a motion to withdraw on July 3, 
citing a breakdown of the attorney-client relationship. On August 5, appellant filed a motion to withdraw his attorney and a motion for continuance, asking to have the scheduled August 7 hearing moved to allow him time to find a new attorney. He filed a a second motion for continuance on August 6, as well as a perfect and truthful explanation to shed light on the Honorable Judge Moore. An order continuing the emergency orders was filed on August 6, and the emergency hearing was continued to a date decided by the attorneys of record. The circuit court entered an order on August 9, relieving appellant's counsel of record. A hearing was set for July 21, 2020. Appellee filed a second motion for an order to compel discovery on May 26. She stated that appellant's substituted responses were mailed approximately two months past the deadline on January 28. According to the motion, the responses were insufficient in that the answers were left unverified and incomplete and, in some cases, unanswered at all. She also alleged that appellant did not execute and produce all authorization requests as ordered by the circuit court. Appellee sent several good-faith attempts to resolve any issues, February 10, 12, and 18, and on May 18 asked for responses by May 21. No responses were received before May 21. Appley asked the circuit court to order appellate to produce within 10 days complete and verified responses without objections pursuant to Rule 37. The circuit court filed an order to compel on September 4, directing appellant to produce complete and verified responses to Appley's first set of interrogatories and requests for production without objections and including all authorizations no later than September 14. The circuit court warned appellant that it may impose further sanctions against appellant in the future, including exclusion of exhibits and witnesses from any final hearing in the matter. The hearing was rescheduled for January 14, 2021. Appellee filed a motion to exclude appellant's witnesses and exhibits on November 5, 2020, alleging that appellant produced supplemental responses on October 23 that were insufficient, not completely responsive, and often not responsive to the question being asked. She also stated that appellant had failed and refused to properly identify witnesses listed in his discovery responses and failed to produce potential exhibits he intends to introduce, making it impossible for appellee to adequately prepare for the final hearing. Appellant filed a response on November 6, denying the material allegations of appellee's motion. He also stated that the amended scheduling order provided that written discovery may proceed through December 4 and depositions may be conducted through December 30. He asked the circuit court to deny Appley's motion. Appley replied on November 12. Continuance Requests Appellant filed a motion for continuance on December 23, asking that the hearing be continued until such time as in-person hearings resume because he has great misgivings about this matter being heard via Zoom. Appley filed a response on December 23, asking the court to deny the continuance motion. Appellant filed his pretrial memorandum on January 7, 2021, along with his expected exhibits. He also named his parents as potential witnesses. The circuit court entered an order on January 8, denying appellant's motion for continuance. 
It noted that appellant had previously requested and been granted two previous continuances in this matter. The circuit court opined that the children needed resolution. Appellee filed her pretrial memorandum on January 8th. Trial Court Ruling The circuit court issued its ruling following appellant's testimony, granting Appellee a complete divorce. The attorney at Lytham filed her report on March 2, recommending that Appellee should be given sole physical and legal custody of the children and that appellant undergo a psychological evaluation before he starts any therapy with the children. She also noted that MC1 wanted no contact with appellant, but MC2 and MC3 did. However, she opined that it was not in their best interest. The divorce decree was entered on March 17, 2021. It granted Appley an absolute divorce from appellant based on general indignities, gave her sole legal and physical custody of the children, awarded Appley child support in the amount of $407 a month based on imputed income to appellant, and ordered retroactive child support in the amount of $12,210 to be paid at the rate of $100 a month. Appellant was granted supervised visitation contingent upon his completion of a complete psychological evaluation and compliance with all treatments and recommendations for at least 90 days before supervised visitation begins. Appellant filed a motion for new trial on March 25, contending that a new trial was needed under Rule 59A1 and 6 of the Arkansas Rules of Civil Procedure in that certain irregularities occurred in the proceedings and an abuse of discretion prevented appellant from having a fair trial, resulting in a miscarriage of justice. He also argued that it was erroneous for the circuit court to deny his motion to dismiss on the basis that Appley failed to sufficiently prove her grounds for divorce. Appley filed a response on April 8, denying the material allegations of appellate's motion and asking the circuit court to deny appellate's motion. Fee Award Appley filed a motion for attorney's fees on March 31, seeking fees in the amount of $37,314.01. Appellant filed a response on April 6, and he denied the material allegations of the motion. He contended that it would be inequitable and unjust for the circuit court to award such a large fee without providing any support for the requested amount. Additionally, he asked that he be granted his costs and reasonable attorney's fees because Appley's counsel cast him in a false light to give the circuit court a negative impression of him. Appley filed a reply on April 8, denying the material allegations of appellant's response. The circuit court denied appellant's motion for new trial in an order filed on April 19. Following a hearing, the circuit court entered an order on April 26 awarding Appley attorney's fees and cost in the amount of $41,467.96. End of quote. Denial of Continuance Motion Appellant argued there was reversible error to deny his continuance request because of a positive diagnosis of COVID-19. However, trial counsel did not object to the continuance, so under the invited error doctrine, the appellate point fails. The trial court proceeded with Appley's case, subject to appellate testifying later, and this was proper because, again, there was no objection. Quote, we thus reject appellant's argument under the invited error doctrine. 
It is well settled that under the doctrine of invited error, appellate may not complain on appeal of an erroneous action of the circuit court if he had induced or acquiesced to the action. Additionally, appellate ultimately received what he asked for, a continuance to present his case. Thus, one cannot complain on appeal where one received all the relief asked for. End of quote. Arguments that the trial court prejudged the issues before appellant's testimony. The trial court stated that it would make a preliminary ruling, which was subject to reconsideration on hearing appellant, and this was proper. Quote, Appellant contends that the circuit court prejudged the case by entering its opinion before he presented his case in chief. He argues that his due process was violated because the circuit court ruled without hearing his side of the story. This argument is without merit. The circuit court announced that it would go ahead and make a ruling subject to modification based on appellant's testimony when the hearing resumed later. Appellant's counsel failed to object to the circuit court's decision to go forward and issue a preliminary ruling. Counsel's only concern was with retroactive child support. Counsel's actions can be construed as acquiescence. We thus reject appellant's argument under the invited error doctrine. End of quote. Prohibiting Testimony and Exhibits Appellate argued the lower court erred in disallowing proof, but there was no abuse of discretion. Only appellant was allowed to testify. Quote, Appellate argues that the circuit court erred in striking appellant's ability to present witnesses or evidence. Specifically, he contends that other sanctions were available that were less harsh than the relief appellee sought. It must be noted that appellant's argument fo- focuses on the wrong rule, as sanctions were imposed pursuant to Rule 37b-2 of the Arkansas Rules of Civil Procedure. Rule 37b-2 authorizes the circuit court to impose sanctions if a party fails to obey an order to provide discovery and gives the court broad discretion to make such orders in regard to the failure as are just, including refusing to allow the party to support or oppose designated claims or defenses, or prohibit him from introducing designated matters into evidence. We view the imposition of discovery sanctions for abuse of discretion, and the bar to demonstrate that the circuit court has abused its discretion in an order under Rule 37 is very high. A circuit court abuses its discretion when it acts thoughtlessly, improvidently, or without due consideration. Here, the circuit court had to issue two orders to compel compliance with discovery, and appellant still did not abide by the circuit court's orders. He supplemented the discovery one to two months after each order's deadline, and he still did not fully comply. Appellant was warned in the second order to compel that his exhibits and witnesses may be struck if he failed to obey the circuit court's orders. He still failed to obey the orders and complete discovery. Even though there were less harsh sanctions available, the circuit court was not just limited to those sanctions. Appellant attempts to argue that the circuit court abused its discretion because it gave Appley the relief she sought. However, we disagree. Due to the nature of this case and Appellant's outright refusal to comply with discovery and the court's orders to compel, we cannot say that there was an abuse of discretion on the part of the circuit court. End of quote. Retroactive Child Support and Imputation of Income Appley sought child support in her divorce complaint, and while there were several hearings, support was never decided before the final hearing. 
In reviewing the issue of support, the standard of review is de novo. The trial court did not err in awarding retroactive support on this record. A second issue was whether the lower court erred in imputing income of minimum wage for purposes of support calculations. Again, there was no error. Quote, Appley testified that appellant had not given her anything by way of support for the children since their separation except $500 in the fall of 2018. The circuit court awarded Appley retroactive child support from the date she filed her complaint for divorce, August 10, 2018, since appellant had done very little by way of supporting the children. Additionally, it makes no difference if appellant had never been ordered to pay child support. It is well settled that a parent has a legal obligation to support his minor children. This moral and legal duty remains regardless of the existence of a support order. Appellant argues that the circuit court erred by imputing income in view of his inability to work. He states that his undisputed testimony shows that he is unable to earn wages and that the circuit court abused its discretion. Here, the circuit court heard conflicting testimony concerning appellant's ability to work and earn at least minimum wage. The circuit court credited Appley's testimony over appellant's on the issue. Appellant was unable to rebut the presumption that he can work a full-time job, and although he claims to suffer from spine, neck, and back issues, the circuit court was not required to believe his testimony. The circuit court specifically found that appellant can obtain some form of employment, including medical document review, but has chosen not to work. We cannot say that this was an abuse of discretion. End of quote. The opinion's quotation to Administrative Order Number 10 follows below. Denial of joint custody and requiring only supervised visitation. The Court of Appeals affirmed the denial of joint custody and upheld the trial court order of supervised visitation. Quote, The statutory preference for joint custody does not override the ultimate guiding principle that the best interest of the child is the pole star for a custody determination. Appellant does little to develop his argument on this issue and fails to cite evidence in the record that he claims demonstrates why joint custody should have been granted in this case. For the most part, appellant presents us with a lot of case law but fails to show us how it applies to the case at hand. Additionally, he points us to his testimony but fails to argue how that supports an award of joint custody. Appellant contends that the circuit court erred by requiring supervised visitation. He makes conclusory statements, fails to direct us to specific evidence in the record, fails to appropriately cite authority, and otherwise fails to completely develop his argument. The Supreme Court has repeatedly held that it will not consider an argument if the appellant does not make a convincing argument or cite authority to support it. End of quote. Attorney's Fees the trial court dismissed without prejudice the portion of the appeal on attorney's fees because this was a non-final order in that the trial court did not address the counterclaim in which appellant also sought fees. Quote, he argues that the circuit court erred in its award of attorney's fees without allowing appellant to examine and question the time records. Although neither party raises the issue, the circuit court's order presents a jurisdictional question that this court considers sua sponte. An appeal may be taken from a final judgment or decree entered by the circuit court. For an order to be final and appealable, it must terminate the action, 
end the litigation and conclude the party's rights to the matter in controversy. Under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 54B, an order that adjudicates fewer than all claims, including counterclaims, is not final for purposes of appeal. In this case, appellant sought attorney's fees even though he acknowledged that he was not the prevailing party. The circuit court failed to dispose of appellant's counterclaim in the order granting appellee's request for fees, thus the counterclaim is still pending. We therefore dismiss this portion of appellant's appeal without prejudice. End of quote. Denial of Motion for New Trial The appellate court affirmed the denial of the motion for new trial, which was premised upon the argument the lower court should not have proceeded because the appellant was ill and, further, he was allowed only one hour to present his testimony. Appellant acquiesced below. A second argument on the motion for new trial, of lack of grounds for the divorce, was also rejected because the argument's citation to the testimony and case law in three sentences was insufficient, the panel opinion ruled. Quote, His argument on appeal focuses on the circuit court's decision to proceed with the hearing after appellant's counsel informed it that appellant was ill. There is no real development to the argument, and since we have already addressed the same or similar issue above, we affirm. To the extent that appellant complains of being granted only one hour to testify, we dispose of that argument under the invited error doctrine. Appellant's counsel was present when the circuit court announced that it would set aside an hour at a later date for appellant to give his testimony and failed to object or voice any concerns about the amount of time given. It is well settled that under the doctrine of invited error, appellant may not complain on appeal of an erroneous action of the circuit court if he had induced or acquiesced to the action. Appellant's other argument concerning the circuit court's denial of his motion for new trial states that the court erred in denying his motion to dismiss. However, it should be noted that a review of the records shows no such motion, neither does appellant point us to the motion to dismiss in his argument. However, the lack of the motion is not fatal since our law is long settled that in a non-jury trial, a party who does not challenge the sufficiency of the evidence does not waive the right to do so on appeal. Appellant's argument is as follows. The motion for new trial further noted error in failing to grant Dr. Gadbury's motion to dismiss that challenged grounds for divorce. They were not waived. Testimony of a volatile temper and that Appley worked four jobs was not enough under settled law. Maryland versus Maryland, 2019 ARC App 390 at 5, Controlling Behavior, and Fincher v. Fincher, 2011 ARC App 563 at 4, Verbal Abuse Insufficient Corroboration. Just as above, Appellant has failed to develop his argument, limiting it to three sentences accompanied by citations. Therefore, we affirm the Circuit Court's denial of Appellant's motion for new trial. End of quote. Administrative Order Number 10 was quoted in this opinion, quote, If imputation of income is ordered, the court must take into consideration the specific circumstances of both parents to the extent known, including such factors as the parents' assets, residence, employment and earnings history, job skills, educational attainment, literacy, age, health, criminal record and other employment barriers, and record of seeking work, as well as the local job market, the availability of employers willing to hire the parent, 
prevailing earnings level in the local community, and other relevant background factors in the case. There is a rebuttable presumption that the payor and the payee can work full-time or earn full-time income, and the court may calculate child support based on a determination of potential income that would otherwise ordinarily be available to the parties. The court may consider a disability or the presence of young children or disabled children who must be cared for by the parent as being a reason why a parent is unable to work. End of quote. End of decision.